What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, episode 84, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. I am your host, J-Mac, a.k.a. Founder Numero Uno, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Popfly himself, Founder Numero Dos, Ben. Here's the thing about fences. Baseball. Ben, what's going on, man? That's good. You know what you, know what you call it whenever you get done with a good uh, fence video? What's that? The post game. <laughs> hey, good. who's that behind that big pile of peanut M&Ms? What's going on back Ladies there? Ladies and gentlemen, now batting cleanup for the Outfielder Podcast. Number three, the great Sam Bino. Good evening and welcome back, Sam. Hello, gentlefolk. Good to see you, man. Good to see you all. I oh. do have a bunch of peanut M&Ms here. Yeah, I, I love the tie-in, Ben. That's great. That's why I said it, man. And in fact, um, I was going to go get a huge old box of Mike and Ikes, but I didn't think it'd be very professional of me. No, not, not while you're like next to a microphone. It's just not good at all. Uh, it could have been corn nuts. What's y'all's take on the corn nut? I feel like you're corny enough for all of us. Ba-ching! Boom! Here, we'll get a, that was good. a bell for you. <laughs> it's pretty solid. Thank you, Sam. This is starting off on a nice note. Well, welcome back, Sam. Lots going Thank on. You. I know you've been tired of baseball right now. It was uh, a good year, but we're headed towards the playoffs, so we could both get excited about baseball again, which is nice. Yeah, I, I have no more ties to my fantasy team, which placed fourth. Um, so, yeah, let's watch actual baseball and not worry about anything. It's going to be fun, man. I think the playoffs are going to be a lot of fun. We're gonna, we don't really have a lot of ties to anything, which is kind of nice, so we can just root for some great baseball throughout. And I, I don't know. So we're going to go. I'm coming out to Atlanta a week from Thursday, and we're going to go to the first uh, Braves playoff game. So really looking forward to that. We've acquired two sets of tickets, uh, and I think we, we should talk about this. We have. I can go into to some detail about how we acquired two sets of tickets. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so tickets went on sale, I'm going to say, like last Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. And I had just texted Justin, like not, not more than an hour before. I was like, hey, I think I'm going to look at tickets today. And I find out, hey, they're going to go on sale to the public in like an hour. So I'm gearing up at work to not to not work and purchase a bunch of playoff tickets. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm in line for the portal to open for tickets to be purchased. And it says there's like 2000 people in front of me. I'm like, all right, well, I hopped on right away. I can't possibly have done any better. Yeah. And I wait about five minutes for the number to dwindle down to zero. I get in the portal. It's just the slowest thing in the universe. This is Ticketmaster. Um, and I'm looking at Friday games, um, not remembering or even thinking about looking at the other day that you were in town, which is Thursday. Mm -hmm. um, and logic dictates that Friday is going to be the more popular game to go to because it's Friday and everyone doesn't have work the next day. Naturally. So... I did, this didn't occur to me when I bought the tickets originally. So I'm looking at all the available seats at, on Friday. There's not a lot going on. Every time I would select four seats and click buy, it would be like, oops, somebody else is selecting those. And it just like, I did that for about 45 minutes just on Friday until there was no tickets left, even for just the two of us. <laughs> How did people keep <laughs> cutting in line in front of you? I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know. But it was a horrible user experience. I mean, I was constantly selecting seats that were seemingly available and then they weren't. Right. And then by the end of it, I was like, hey, I was texting Justin at this point. And I was like, hey, what about standing room? 
And he was like, how much are they? I said, 40 bucks. He goes, all right, that's a steal. Just pick them up. So I picked up four and I'm like, there's this wash of relief over me. It's like, I, I've completed the task. And then I go, well, shit, what about Thursday's game? <laughs> the day I actually get into town. Right. Yeah. So I pop on Thursday and I get four tickets right away in seats, not standing room for like really not that much more money. Um, so I, I basically panic bought eight playoff tickets. Well, I mean, worst cases, we're just going to go to both. I mean, you know, I, I'm actively trying to sell them okay. uh, in the office. So I think I got a couple potential suitors for those. I'm selling them at cost, which is like actually pretty nice of me yeah. considering I could could sell them for quite a bit more. Anyway, we have a, a lot of tickets to Braves games when you're in town, and we're definitely going to go to Thursday's game where we get to sit down. Good. So I don't know about y'all, but there are definitely worse panic buys. Like to make, if you're going to panic buy something, eight playoff <laughs> baseball tickets is not not a bad choice. It, Secondly, I don't know about y'all. I get so much anxiety when I'm trying to find seats on Ticketmaster, especially if it's like, they just go on sale and you have to select within a certain time frame. Uh, when I was trying to buy tickets for Paul McCartney, like I about had a breakdown just trying to get seats. See, I was thinking about this too whenever this was all happening because to me, I figured that surely we were past the point of this kind of thing as far as how to get tickets for an event because I specifically remember when I was like, this was mid-90s. I don't even really like remember exactly how old I was, but I know that Billy Joel... And Elton John were coming to town, and my mom really was like wanted to get tickets. And she like got on the phone and got in line with Ticketmaster, you know that whole thing. And it's like we really haven't come that far from that, and that's that's shocking to me. It's like no wonder that Pearl Jam boycotted them, right? Right? No kidding. Well, regardless, we'll have plenty of of you know of baseball to watch, and we'll probably do some live watch stuff while we're there and whatnot. It'll yeah. be, be a good time. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Looking forward to it. I would say Ticketmaster is probably the worst ticket buying experience that I've ever had. Unless they were to sponsor the pod, then they might get a few, you know, a few more shout outs from me. But also still pretty bad. <laughs> it's still pretty bad. Yeah. I just, I'm looking forward to it though. I think we're going to have a good time. And I mean, worst cases, we were talking about the standing room only thing. And it's like, worst cases, we can just go, you know, eat at the battery right next door where there are a bunch of restaurants and whatnot. And then walk in in like the fifth inning or something. I don't know. You know. Yeah, walk just go stand the whole time too if we really were that dead yeah. set on it. Walk around, see some see the game from some different seats probably and you know, tool around for a couple of innings and call it a day. Doing lots of ballparks this year. It's it's good stuff. The the ballpark here in Arlington's about to to be its final days. Are you going to make it out for that, Sam? I'm not. I uh, was invited to uh, come out this weekend, but I there's just too many plates spinning right now. I've got you guys coming out the next week. I had a house guest just this last weekend. Um lots need a little bit of like downtime. Ben and I were going to catch the Rangers Red Sox series that starts. Was that like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, something like that, Ben? Yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah, and, and nice. Ben didn't get back to me in time, and truthfully, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm just I'm generally over my team as far as baseball goes. What about that stadium? You don't want to see that stadium one last time. I'm kind of over that too. Yeah, it's right there. It's good. it's still going to be next door. I mean, I just I guess so. I did look into this. Is actually is a little bit of follow up. So I'm glad you brought this up. So we talked about on the last episode whether they were going to keep it as Globe Life Park and Globe Life Field next door with the whole naming rights situation. Ben, I'm happy to report they are not keeping Globe Life Park as the name. So you're just going to have Globe Life Field, and God only knows what else they're going to call it. Okay, so at this point. Naming rights for the old ballpark are still available. We should buy them. Yeah. Yes. Sensibly loud park. Oh. 
<laughs> That'd be great. That'd be absolutely fantastic. But uh, yeah, no, good season overall. I think I, I think we're both a little disappointed in how things went. Uh, I think the expectation on my side was a little higher. Um, the fantasy season was good. I ended up in third place. Not that anybody really cares about fantasy that much, but Sam and I duked it out to the very end, but we are both really sucking it up and not very happy about that. Uh, but yeah. Ben, I am happy to report I am wearing a shirt in commemoration of your baseball team, the Springfield That's right. Isotopes. That's right. Uh, the seventh place Springfield Isotopes. You got going. How many teams are in the league? Ten, right? Yeah. Ten teams? Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you got going at the end. I mean, how how did you feel like your first season in the big boy league went? Uh, it was good. It was definitely, I tended to do better whenever I remember to set my lineup. Mm. That is a, a battle that you tend to fight. That's for sure. Yeah. No, it was really good. There was, um, I, I think the really, probably the, the peak, you know, 30 for 30 moment for the isotopes this year was whenever we took down Justin while I was on the Colorado trip. Like that was, that was pretty solid. I'm, I'm glad nice it didn't work. cost me anything because I've actually been in that exact same situation a couple of years ago. And I was on a trip where I was on West Coast time and it was kind of it was a bachelor party type situation. And I was just, you know, not really thinking about fantasy baseball too much. And it actually cost me my bye week, which ended up in turn costing me my season. So <laughs> at least that didn't happen to me. So, you know, I'm happy to give you the win if that's really what it need, what needed to happen there. Oh, that's so generous of you, our benevolent founder. <laughs> I know, right? I'm happy to give you the win. I'm giving it to uh, you. know, you can have it. Um, yeah. So we're going to talk about two main things today. Uh, I'm really. This is my favorite time of the year for two reasons: playoffs are starting, and managers are getting fired. And so we're going to talk <laughs> about both those things today. I love a good manager firing for gross incompetence. And we're going to break down not only the people that have either been fired, retired, but also the people that deserve to be either fired or retired. So we're going to talk about all four of those things. I can't wait. What about non-managers like GMs? I mean, if oh, it yeah. were more Dave Dombrowski's, would we be including those in these conversations? Cause talk about a guy that deserved to get fired. Absolutely. We're going, we're going there too. So lots of good stuff there. Um, ben, let's run through the playoff picture real quick and yeah. talk about what's going on there. Absolutely. So right now, uh, the AL is pretty close to locked up. In the East, we have the Yankees. Uh, they've definitely clinched. In the West, the Astros clinched over the weekend, so power to them. Uh, the Central is still a little up in the air. The Twins have a four-game lead right now, so they're likely going to win. Uh, Cleveland's four games back. Uh, the wild card right now, Oakland has the first wild card spot. And then Cleveland and Tampa are tied for the second spot. So okay. it, uh, it may get a play-in game, but right now it's definitely looking like Cleveland could be the odd man out. So it'll either be Clee or Tampa, um, you know, most likely not making it. Sam, do either of those what, – what about that surprises you the most, would you say? Um, outside of the fact that Boston's been eliminated? Yeah, we'll leave that alone. I would say that the A's are occupying the first wild card spot. Um, that is not how it seemed like things were going to go down. That's actually what a number of people on this podcast called to happen by the end of the year, which is a great call. However, it sure didn't seem like that. They really picked up a lot of steam in the second half. And, you know, I love a good Oakland team in the playoffs. You can't really ever count them out. You really can't. But the, I don't know. Like they always like put a bunch of stuff together, but it's never enough for those seven game sets. 
It really never seems I, that way. Yeah, it's true. I mean, if they were to be playing a Minnesota, that would be anybody's series. That's true. And only because Minnesota is still probably a year away. But I just, I don't know. I, I just, I'm excited to think about what Houston's look like overall, like adding that pitching uh, staff is absolutely dominant. And I didn't even think about this until I saw a video on Twitter yesterday of AJ Hinch basically giving like a locker room speech before they shot off champagne and everything to, you know, celebrate <laughs> clip, uh, clinching. And the two people that are most likely to win the Cy Young on the AL side are on this team. It's Garrett Cole and Justin Berlanders to lose. It really is. And that's crazy Oof. to me. I don't remember the last time that happened. Um, yeah, would, I I can't think of one in recent memory. Would it have been like maybe on the AL or the NL side? It would have been like Kershaw and Granky back then. I don't think I, Jack Granky was that good yet. I feel like the early '90s A not A's the early '90s Braves were probably about the last time you had a really dominant uh, pitching staff like that, where it's not just your one, but your one, two, threes. I mean, the Diamondbacks had uh, Big Unit and Kurt Schilling for a while, right? That's True. right. Yep. Sure no, that was a very dangerous. That would have been a uh, one, I think. Something like mm, that. that. Sounds right. But yeah, I, I really didn't even think about that. They came out with 102 wins. It's a hell of a season. They're plus 265 in run differential. It's a hell of a season. It really is. They lost 28. I'm sorry, 33 games at home. No, I'm sorry. 33 games on the road. They lost 21 at home. 60 and 21 at home is absurd. That is absurd. So I was, I, I think I'm most surprised about that dominance, but I mean, the trades they made at the deadline seem to have gotten them there. Yeah. I, I really am excited to watch and see whatever Oakland does. I mean, they just got back Sean Manea, mm-hmm. who's been really, really good. Yes. If he had been pitching like this all season, he'd be in the same conversation with Cole and Verlander. And then they've also got a young gun, Jesus Lazardo up in the bullpen doing long relief. That guy, We'll pitch lights out when somebody shits the bed in the starter position. Well, I feel like what's interesting about Oakland is just kind of how quiet they've been. And it could be because they're a smaller West Coast market. But, you know, everyone had been talking about Tampa and Boston initially earlier in the year, kind of biting at the heels of New York and Cleveland and the Twins. You know, no one's surprised here. But I don't think a ton of people saw the A's gaining the momentum they did over July and August. I agree with that. The one interesting thing everybody's been asking me about the Yankees because they had 102. Well, as of this recording, we still have about a week to go, but 102 wins. Add a couple to that. They had a great season, too. But when I look at their run differential, plus 212, I mean, that's still 50 runs, just about 50 runs off the Astros. And I mean, for a Yankees lineup that has a ton of power and not the best pitching in the world, I would say, I I think their pitching is going to be their Achilles heel here. I think Houston's pitching is much better. I strongly agree. I think the Yankees are all bat. Yes. No bite. No bite. <laughs> Just a ton of home runs. Like I think a record set for home runs by a club in a season. Um, unsurprisingly, given the juice ball, but uh, they've just been crushing. They have 923 runs on the season. That's ridiculous. They just got Giancarlo Stanton back too, which is going to help. <laughs> but I mean, he hasn't really been that great in New York yet. He he just had, he's been hurt. He hasn't had a big sample size. That's, that's yeah, what I should say. Anything can happen in October. Definitely, but I would much much more trust what Houston's got going on just because of their pitching alone. I mean, Verlander hasn't missed a step yet. Oh sure, no, I meant in regards to Stanton and his bat prowess. You know, no, I I still think Houston takes that takes that series against 
against New York. Agreed. Can I make a recommendation that we come up with a stat that is bat prowess? Yes. Let's work on that. Let's add that to the list of things to do. I'm going to give it to Mookie Betts because I love that gray bat and he's a monster with it. I'm going to miss him so much. I really am. (laughs) I'm going to go with the Australian flying fox. It has about a four and a half foot wingspan. It's a very large mammal. A flying fox. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. We're talking about bats, right? The prowess of different bats. Yeah. Yeah. Can we put an axe handle on that one? Yeah. (laughs) We're going to get our hands on an axe handle bat. They're extremely expensive, but we're going to figure it out in the off season. We're going to get our hands. I love thinking about what you just said in the context of what Ben had just said. Exactly. Uh, All right, Ben, what do you think on the NL side? Yeah, so NL side right now, which, by the way, y'all just totally laid out on my decent decent flying mammal humor, and y'all just glossed right over it. If I've I've learned anything, you just lean into whatever's wrong. Yeah, that's right. We've been doing this show with you long enough. (laughs) So in the NL East, Atlanta has clinched. In the NL West, the Dodgers clinched probably two months ago. Right now, the Central is the only one still up in the air. Plus, we got a better wild card hunt. So right now in the Central, St. Louis has a three-game lead over um, over Milwaukee. And if the season ended right now, Milwaukee would be in the second wild card spot. The first wild card spot goes to Washington, uh, second wild spot to Milwaukee, and then the Cubs are four games out and the Mets are four and a half games out, which begs the question, what in the heck happened to the Cubs? A lot of things. I think that that's worth getting into a little bit. But Sam, what's your take on just that overall picture so far? We'll get into the Cubs here in a second. So I I like Washington in the top spot. They've had the talent to do well for a long time. Um, They haven't made it happen for like four seasons, even though lots of of people have predicted them to go deep into the playoffs. So I I like them in the top spot. I also like Milwaukee where they are um, tied for that same spot. Uh, I think Milwaukee's going to shit the bed a little bit just because I I just don't think they have what it takes. Yelich is out. Um, The Cubsicles are going to implode. And I I think it's just, it's hard to say what's going to happen there, but I just don't see Milwaukee getting it done. Even if they make it to the wild card um, spot, I don't think they're going to do much at all. I I just, Um, I don't see, yeah, I'm with you 100%. I I think the biggest surprise though is that we all thought Washington was going to take such a step back with, the exit of Bryce Harper, and they haven't really seemingly done so. You got Juan Just, Soto and Victor Robles killing it really good. Well, it makes me wonder, too, if if there was a, a toxic clubhouse environment happening that we just weren't all super aware of. I mean, that, that's a good point. I didn't really thought about that. You don't have Jonathan Papelbon, Bryce Harper, Adam Eaton, or Jason Wirth. Mm. But, I mean, like, Jason Wirth was getting older right is that right he hasn't played for like two or three seasons but that was what that was like the foundation for the shitty clubhouse that we're observing yeah and then oh that's right because they brought in Pavel and all that yeah times dusty baker equals shithouse equals failure (laughs) so i think what surprises me is the fact that milwaukee's still hanging on without yelich like i feel like when he went out they still took three of their next four uh, in whatever the next series was. And I'm I'm really impressed with the staying power, staying power of the Brew Crew. What's their schedule look like for the rest of the way? I'm pulling it up right now. So you've got set against the Reds. And it's then, a W. Yep. And then you've got a set against Colorado. Those are all almost, those are six very winnable games. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you just came off a series against the Pirates. That's a whole mess of a situation we'll get to. And 
the Padres. Mm. Well, we'll that's get, the thing we'll is, even too. if even if they go and you know they take two or three from each of them, they have a four game lead on the Cubs. Right. So like, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying right. it's a lock, but it, it's it's very unlikely that Milwaukee gives it up. You're yeah. right. But I, I agree with Sam. I think that they're going to run out of gas somewhere here. They really the run are. differentials minus two. <laughs> that's not great without the the uh, MVP and hitting. Like that's not going to help you. Really bad. I mean, I, I just trying to think. I think the other surprise to me when I look at just the standings and where we're at is sheer the fact that the Phillies have been so bad. I mean, they're basically a 500 team with Bryce Harper. That's crazy to me. It's a lot of money for a 500 team. It sure is, and I would be pissed off if I had sent it, uh, spent it too. Maybe this will be part of our manager talk, but oh, it will. How much of this has to do with the shit heel at the yeah manager level? Oh, it'll be there. So, do you guys? So, I mean, I think the Dodgers are probably the overwhelming favorite to come out of this. Is there any any chance that they're stopped? I mean, any like Ben said earlier, anything could happen in the playoffs. But is there a chance they're stopped in any way? Atlanta has proven that they can be stopped. They won a series with them uh, late in the season. So yeah, I mean that's uh, if anyone's going to do it, it's Atlanta. And okay. there's enough youngness on that team to capture lightning in a bottle, but there's also enough youth to implode in a playoff situation. So you know that would be my biggest ball game. Yeah, I mean Dallas Keuchel is kind of one of your veteran leaders on the team at this point, and that could that yeah. could be a bit concerning. But I still. I think the same logic, though, goes for the Dodgers, and they poop every single time they're in this spot. Every time. They did it last year. They got embarrassed by the Red Sox last year. I just, like, when I look at, like, who's most likely going to come out of the AL, may it either be the Yankees or the Astros, I just can't help but think that those teams are going to come out with a with a ring. It just doesn't even really feel close to me. It's probably going to be closer than I realize, but it doesn't feel that way. I'm, I'm definitely that take. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a hundred percent where I'm at. I'm feeling pretty good about my uh, beginning of the season prediction. We'll revisit them as we get closer to the end of the season. But uh, there's a bit of confidence here for someone who came in seventh place in fantasy. You got a lot of confidence coming from this side of the of the broadcast. It's totally yeah. fair. NL sucks. AL's <laughs> better. But yet we chose to go to NL games instead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited though. I think that's going to be an electric series, whatever that comes out to be. You're like AL comes first alphabetically. Boom. Also, so facto, I'm your boss. There you go. Just, just take the designated hitter. Just, just take it. Come on, like let's stop playing this game. This is just <laughs> Seriously, silly. It's it makes it better. It, it makes the game better. It really does. That's plain and simple. It makes it easier. It's less taxing on your pitching staff. All that. We've been over this. We'll, I'm sure we'll go over it more. It's definitely something that needs to happen. Ryu just hit his first career home run. I'm going to slow clap for him. Well done, Ryu. We'll give him an applause and everything. Oh. Supplement Sam's supply. Nice work, buddy. We'd all be better if they just had a DH. He just, he hasn't had a great year, right? Ryu has had a great year. Has he? Okay. Yes. I was thinking he had struggled a little bit. Last year, he, de- he dealt with groin injuries like lingering. This year, he's been really good. Okay. I have him on my, on my fantasy team, but I just feel like he hasn't come through quite as much. So, like, last year he had, I'm looking at the stats right now, 197. He's up a little bit to 241. So, I guess I just feel that a little bit more in my day-to-day fantasy stuff. He's not, he also only pitched 80, 
two innings last year and 175 this year. So there's probably a little bit of yeah. just tiredness going on is my guess. For sure. And I don't think he's struck out nearly as many players or batters as he's accustomed to per inning, but he lasted a long time, almost 200 innings. That's great. Yeah. Not no, bad at all. Awesome production. Not bad at all. All right. Well, let's do the POS corner. This is Paul Ramham from WBAT in Cincinnati. We interrupt this regular schedule of programming to bring you this breaking news bulletin. It appears that people have been called pieces of shit from around the globe. Baseball players in particular seem to be the main target. However, no person, concept, or universe is exempt from this cruel but very usual punishment. The perpetrator has been identified as the great Sambino. Police have confirmed that he is still at large and about to take his piece of shit corner. Ding, ding, ding. Huge piece of shit. Hello, America. Let's talk pieces of shit. Uh, the piece of shit that I have today is an extension of the, 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 the Cubs organization. His name is Craig Kimbrell. He has the beard of a 13-year-old, and he has a war this season of point five in the negative. Um, <laughs> Craig Kimbrell, like, he's been really good. He's may- maybe a Hall of Famer. He has 350 saves, saves to his name. A career ERA of 2.08, a career war of almost 20, and he has uh, a shitload of strikeouts, almost 900 over 550 innings. This year, however, he has an ERA of 6.5 and has blown many saves for the Cubs and has also just been injured. I, th- I blame his beard, but I think it's been, you know, maybe something else. Uh, he is a big part of why the Cubs just can't get it together. And I think he's a little like, He's a microcosm of what's wrong with the Cubs. Like none of their big name players are doing anything. Uh, they got Javi Baez out with the thumb thing. I don't know what Chris Bryant is doing. He might be serving peanuts on the side or something. Uh, Anthony Rizzo just came back. He's whatever. Uh, Joe Madden. Some people think he's at risk of losing his job. I'm not so sure. But Craig Kimbrell's a big, a big part of it. Um, the Cubs collapse. So I agree with this and I'm really like, (laughs) so a couple of things on this note, I'm glad you brought this up because I think the biggest differentiator here is the fact that they signed him three quarters of the way through the season. So you're talking about a guy who's been pitching at high schools for the last three months of the season, instead of actually playing against major league hitters. And for a a guy that was starting to tail off at the end of last year, I mean, let's keep in mind, they brought Chris sale out to, to pitch the last part of the world series last year and not their closer i think they saw something that that looks like he's starting to tail off and whenever you just stop i'm not saying he stopped that work entirely but i mean when you don't face big league hitters this is what happens yeah it's showing that he's only pitched like 20 innings or something and i forgot just how late in the season that signing was um you know even today there are headlines stating that red sox dodge a bullet by letting him walk in free agency and i mean it's just there's for as much crap as we've talked uh, on Dombrowski this season, deservedly so, uh, decently smart move and a fair amount of foresight. I mean, this guy wanted six years, $100 million. No way in hell were they going to pay that. And this is exactly why, because it's just that kind of value is not sustainable over that period of time. They gave him three years, $50 million. I don't think that's sustainable over three years, $50 million. I really don't. I mean, look at his numbers. They say so. It's possible. I mean, he's only pitched 20 innings this year. It's hard to say what he would have done if he got all of spring training in and regular reps during the regular season. 
Um, it's easy to look back and say, good call, but who's to say that that would have been the case if he had gotten a normal contract and played a normal amount of baseball? Well, it's hard, you know, it's impossible to say. The results are what they are. Right. But um, I can't can't say that him not getting signed is the biggest problem here. And I mean, just to talk, listen to the overall just garbage can that is the the twin, excuse me, the Cubs pitching lineup right now. You have, if this doesn't say seconds, I don't know what does. You Darvish, Kyle Hendricks, Jose Quintana, John Lester, Cole Hamels. And then as your closer, you have Craig Kimbrell. Like, does any of that excite you? Cole Hamels, didn't he have a good season? Uh, This year, Hamels is uh, 500 win-loss 392 ERA, 2.5 war on 137 yeah. innings pitch. So like a lot of innings, not bad. Yeah. Not if your best pitcher is not bad, you have a problem. <laughs> True. Yeah. But I think Point. the the bigger picture though for the Cubs specifically here, and we'll get into more of the Cubs stats here in a few minutes cuz I made some notes here, but I think what their fault is is waiting this long to sign a guy when they know that they need that help. And I can relate to how that feels because my team did that all year. The difference is they didn't do anything about it, which is a whole other thing. But they waited too long to try to fill too big of a hole, and it just wasn't. It just didn't didn't happen, especially with for a bullpen that's as bad as theirs. But we'll get into that in a little bit. But I, I just I, I agree with this wholeheartedly. I'm I'm glad that they the Red Sox decide, regardless of how this year ended up. I'm glad they decided not to give him that kind of money because just that did, never made sense. It never made sense at all, regardless of the value you get from that. It just doesn't make sense to pay a closer that much money. It doesn't. Hot take. He and Keuchel both didn't get signed because of their poor beard game. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I, here first. I like that take. I like that take a lot. Yeah, it's Ugly really beards. growing on me. <laughs> All right, Ben. Who's your POS of the week? A little bit of a stretch okay. because it's not baseball related, but it is sporting event related, kind of. And I'm calling out you, people who enter non-Dachshund or Dachshund hybrids in a Dachshund racing contest. Okay. I love this. This is a real ESPN the Ocho kind of content. Yesterday, I was at Oktoberfest, which, by the way, it's September. I'm aware. Okay. I did a little bit of research. Do you all know why Oktoberfest is in September? Because that's when real Oktoberfest is held. Do you know why real Oktoberfest is in September? Because it gets too cold in Munich? Yes, because in Munich they have bad weather. <laughs> so starting, Ding! Starting in 19... Yeah, starting in 1904, they've had Oktoberfest in September. So there's your little bit of trivia today. But anyway, I'm at this Oktoberfest yesterday, and it is not too cold. It's a good 96 degrees here in North Texas. And I'm so jazzed up about the Dachshund racing. I have my spatzel in my hand. I got my little German dishes. Like, I mean, I'm super stoked. They're lining up the Dachshunds, and some sack of shit is putting in, like, half Jack Russell, half Dachshunds. Like, my Jack Russell would easily be all of these Dachshunds, hands down, probably blindfolded. But that's half the fun, is these Dachshunds, they're not genetically engineered to be fast animals. That's why Dachshund racing is appealing, because of the certain amount of ridiculousness that goes with it. So, if you are someone who puts a half Dachshund 
in a dachshund racing contest, your ass is in the jackpot. You heard it here first. Well, you know what? Your ass is going to be in the jackpot if you decide to blindfold Sherman because you just, you, I don't know what you do to that poor dog, but I, I, you know, I just, I'm, I'm afraid for him all the time. I feel like it's, I agree though. It's a good take. It's a real asshole thing to do. You should have just cheated and entered Sherman since everybody else seemed to be just breaking the rules malicely. And like, I am in no (laughs) way, shape or form like a blood purist. I have read enough Harry Potter to know where that goes south. But what I definitely am saying is that when you're having a dachshund race, enter an actual dachshund. So I, I'm wholeheartedly on board with this take. I think we all watch dachshund racing because you watch their spines flop around and get injured a little bit on every bound. I mean, isn't that really why we're watching? Because it's so ridiculous. And you're like, ooh, ow. I mean, you're like four times as long as you are tall. Like, that's not okay for us to be doing this. Right. Like, my dog has about 33% less vertebrae, so he's naturally going to run faster. Correct. So how... How long is the track? What Set this up a little bit. What does this look like? Yeah, I have... Y- y- stay tuned to sensiblyloud.com because I took pictures and video. There's going to be a full expose. Like, I have the standings. I have it all for y'all. This reporter's not here to mess around. You're really so, fired up about this because you were really... Uh, I mean, I saw you pretty early this morning in the office and it was... Uh, you were you were really fired up even, you know, for first thing in the morning, like during coffee. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty passionate about it, J-Mac. I don't know if you know this, but when you look for people to be in this company, you found some passionate sports fans. True. It's true. All right. Uh, Yeah, the track's only like 10 feet long. (laughs) I mean, it's not. (laughs) So, I mean, Sherman could have just kind of traipsed through it pretty quickly. and and I've seen him jump further than this track was long. Okay. Oh, man. What did the winner get? Like, gift bags to some pet store and bragging rights and their picture in the paper okay that's a little better i thought you were just going to say gift bags in general and i was it's like they're dogs that were... <laughs> all the, right the, the winners got to know that they brought enjoyment to the hundreds of people gathered around this racing arena was it a one-shot thing like a horse race no man we're talking there were Whoa. five what that was awesome. A one shot thing because of the propensity to shoot a horse on the track. Come on. Tight. Oh, Come on. man. You took it there, not me. Go on. Well, hey, I just get stuck on glue jokes. So basically, <laughs> basically what happened uh, is they had five heats and then the winner of each heat competed in the finals. Uh, Who won? Now you'll have to read the blog. All right. All right, we'll do that. We'll come back and talk about it next time. I'm glad we got into this. Okay, so my POS corner uh, person this week, I'm going to do something a little bit out of the ordinary. I'm putting myself in there. And specifically, I put myself in the POS corner because Sam was trying his damnedest to buy us playoff tickets and was trying to get me to respond, and I just was not in a spot where I could respond right that second. And I really do think that part of those missed seats came at, uh, due to me. So I'm, I'm putting myself in the POS corner. It's mm. short and simple. It's easy. But, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I feel like I could have played a better part in it when you told me that, hey, I'm lining up to buy tickets here in a few minutes. Like, hey, you should maybe be yeah. on standby. That should have been a social cue for me. I mean, it's in the middle of the work day. Like, 
I can't really hold you to that. I should have planned a little better. No, and it's funny because I actually asked you, or I was planning on asking you if we should, if I should look into tickets. I kind of just figured we'd get them on StubHub or something. I, I had a feeling they were already out. I didn't really think about the fact that whenever you text me, they were they were going on sale. So I was like, okay, great. And uh, yeah, so I wasn't as responsive enough. So I, I'll take that on. And you know, we'll call it a, a group effort to get us eight tickets. We could do it that way. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, two people, eight tickets, good to go. Right. Can we I appreciate that? Can we do a slight pivot and say that J Mac, you are not in the POS corner for not being there when Sam was texting you about tickets, but you are in the POS corner for picking the Red Sox to win the World Series? No, absolutely not. Because that was not I think a bad that was pick. A solid. Yeah, that was not a bad pick when I made it. Now, if you would have picked the Rangers to win a, the World Series, that's a different story. You I know went, better yeah. than that. You went there, not me. Can I <laughs> can I just say that? When I was selecting my POS, it was a three-way tie between Craig, Craig Kimbrell, myself, and Joe West. Oh, boy. Yeah, Joe West got into a bunch of bullshit again, didn't he? God, it's always an old Joe bag, West. Put an old bag of parts. I mean, <laughs> he's not nearly as bad as Angel Hernandez. We've established that many times over. But even so, man, I just feel like he always launches himself quite portly, I might add, into the middle of all these controversies. I don't really understand how. We should yeah. have war numbers for the umpires, like for their, how good they are against the other umpires. That's also something. <laughs> yeah, we need to get our, our general hands on those umpire stats. We've talked about that before and on then the show. We've got to get our we, hands on it. Once we do the first round of it, and then the year after, come to sensiblyloud.com so you can play um, fantasy baseball umpire edition where you get to select your umpires. <laughs> And week over week, you see who makes the best calls. Let's, oh my god! If that was possible, we need to do that. Let's do a let's do a draft in the off season where we draft umpires for our crews. Uh, I kid you not. Like freshman year of college, I played fantasy Congress, where you would select <laughs> <laughs> you would select congressmen and women, and then they would pass like they would float through pieces of legislation and you got points for if they would all pass. And so you would have to like try to find some center people. But then, yeah. you know, if the issues were too extreme. Yeah, it was like a whole thing. All right. We, did you know go, go I have to I have to take it a step further. Did you know that there's fantasy bird watching? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Tell fantasy bird watching. You select the breeds that you want. And then on the American Birding Association website, you can log when you've seen a bird. And then the owner of that breed gets a certain amount of points for sightings of that bird. So you take like six months out of the year, you pick your breeds, and then you get points based on the view, the viewership or seeing those birds in the wild. Feels so, like feels like cheating could be rampant. Yeah. It's worth like what do you think there's more of right now? People playing fantasy bird watching or people playing fantasy Congress? Which of these do you think is a bigger market? <laughs> I'm going to go with fantasy bird watching. Mm, yeah, I think so too. But just type in fantasy bird watching in Google. You'll be oddly surprised by the results. Yeah, I think you were going to say pleasantly, and I don't know if that's the right word. Yeah, I think that <laughs> might pull up some different websites, Sam. I also love the term birding. I think that's a great way to describe it, too. Yeah. yeah. I'm in. All right. Well, good POS corner, guys. Yeah, it's some uh, pretty solid stuff here. 
you know, if you want to learn more about birds, you should check out books because there are tons of books that you can do. And if you like books, have we got a deal for you? Because tonight's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com SLM. There, you can browse the unmatched selection of audio programs, download a title for free, and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com SLM and get started now. What I can't tell you is if those bird books will have audio of their bird calls. They might. They might not. If you want that, let Audible know. Good call. Good call. All right. So what we're going to do now, we're going to get into manager firings. And I think that we'll... So I guess we should probably start off with what's already been done. Is that probably a good way to do that? I think I should check my fantasy manager roster first. Mm, yes, because we're booting some people out of the goddamn league this year. That is for sure. They had that coming, if, and they know who they are. We have made it very obvious on this show. Um, so a couple of interesting notes. Bruce Bochy retired. He announced this retirement last year, and I'm reasonably sure I put him in the POS corner for that. That sounds right. Like yeah. I feel like I'll have to check the archives, but that sounds accurate. I, I bet I'm reasonably sure I've done that, and I just think it's weird to do a retirement tour. But you know, it is what it is. Where I do find uh, an issue with it is that he had a chance to retire maybe two weeks ago when his record was dead even, and didn't do it. So that's shitty. But you know, eh, what are you gonna do? That, well, that's do you think he was holding out hope for the chance of retiring with a winning record? Probably not. I hope not, because that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> no, I, I think he's actually been really, really successful as a manager. I like Bruce Bochy a lot. I think he's continually done a lot with a little there in San Francisco, and that kind of leads to that culture of being able to really lead whenever things go well. I mean, those years where they won the World Series, they were really electric, and he had them all in the right place at the right time. What's your take on this, Sam? I think he's the most successful manager born in Europe, so there's something to be said for that Probably meaningless piece of trivia. Um, yeah, I mean, the years where they won in 12, 14, 16? Or was it 10, 12, and 14? I think it's 10, 12, 14. Yeah, they God, they were so good. Yeah, They just seemed unstoppably clutch at every moment. Like, you just knew that somebody was going to hit a triple off that weird wall in San Francisco every time that someone came up about. It was incredible to watch, even when they beat us. Bruce Bochy is uh, B-plus in my book. And Tim Lincecum would come out and dazed and confused us all. Pretty much. Oh, God. He was uh, so 25 year managing career, 2001 wins, 2025 losses, a 497 winning percentage. He had 12 years with the Padres, 13 years with the Giants. I mean, I know it's a 500 record, but over 25 years is pretty damn impressive. It really is. I think the fact that he has three rings for San Francisco makes up for whatever the fuck their win-loss record was. If you talk to anybody who's a fan out there, they don't give a shit that they suck right now. They had a great run. Well, because I think 10 was the first time they won since they moved from New York. I don't think they had won in San Francisco proper. I think that's correct. That sounds right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, and like aside from that, he won an NL pennant in 98 with the Padres. They went 98 and 64 that year. Pretty good overall. Uh, I just, I, I think he's had a great career. And I mean, he's what? Uh, how 70 old? something. 70 something years old. 
Yeah. So I mean, Pretty I think old. I think he deserves to put, to hang it up and and uh, uh, sixty four actually, sixty four oh, years and one hundred and sixty days old. And I he's think, had some health scares, so I'm not surprised here. For sure. I yeah. honestly thought he was a little older than he is. Well, I think he's, you know, he hasn't yeah. treated himself super well. Yeah, these baseball guys don't, though. Tito's the same way. There's all kinds of examples. You know they call him Six Pack? Yes. Great okay. nickname. I won't, say, I won't say that again, then. No. Great nickname. Are there any Allegedly. other nicknames out there that we know of? Say that again? Are there any other nicknames out there that we know of? I don't For think Bruce? So. Yeah. Nope, they don't have anything else listed here. Uh, baseball reference always have like weird nicknames that no one really ever calls those players uh, or managers listed. They do not have any from here. But like Bochi Ball or something. Yeah, exactly, Ooh. exactly. Things like that. They're just nobody says that. So I think overall, very successful career. Ben, do you have any thoughts there? Now, power to him. The, we've we've said already the bringing a championship to San Francisco and then to do it three freaking times. That's huge. And especially if he only was there for three years. I mean, what's that? 20% of the time he won the World Series when he was in San Francisco. It's pretty good. Yeah. So it's pretty good overall. It's not a bad career. The other manager that retired and actually came out today was Ned Yost, the manager of the Royals. Sam, are you surprised by this? Uh, I am not. Is he not very old? He is 65 and 35 days old. Another one of those real look olds, right? Yep. His win percentage every, is not great. I feel like everyone in Kansas City looks older than they actually are. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so he had six, six years with the Brewers. He went 457 and 502 there. 10 years with the Royals, 744 and 836 there. So it's a total of 16 years, uh, 1,201 wins, 1,338 losses, a 473 okay. winning percentage. I mean, outside of that 14 15 run, they don't really have a lot to their name. Yeah, yeah. The Royals just won once, though, right? Weren't they beat the, the other year by the Giants? Yeah, they lost in fourteen. They took the World Series in twenty fifteen. Yeah, got it. Yeah, the, and they yeah because they won the AL pennant. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, I don't. It's hard to say though because I mean, especially these last couple of years. I mean, he hasn't. I mean, they've been in rebuilding mode, and he hasn't had a team around him. To be honest with you, I'm surprised that they waited this long. I mean, I. I don't know. Like, I don't know that this is really a guy where you can say you can go out whenever you want to go out. I just that doesn't seem like a a wise move whenever you've gone seven forty four at eight thirty six in the organization. I mean, that's that's fine. Like, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I mean, over sixteen years total, like, or I'm sorry, over ten years total, like that's not the worst thing in the world. Given that you're a really small market team, you never yeah. really have a whole lot of talent other than that that those two years they kind of caught lightning in a bottle there. I just. I don't know. It seems like whenever you go into a rebuild, I mean, look at what the, the Tigers did with Ron Garden hire. I don't know if that was the right hire, but it's just somebody that's probably not going to be there for the longer haul. Somebody's got to maintain leadership, right? And, you know, maybe that's what the front office was looking for from this guy. It's kind of hard to say. We don't know that much about what's going on there in Kansas City. But, I mean, that could that could be job done for him. True. Very true. And, I I mean, you got George Brett in the front office. So, you know, we, we all we talk about him quite often on well, this show. And that that's where my main question comes down to any of these guys that are retiring in their mid 60s, are they going to sit out for two or three years, miss it and then come back in some capacity? Yeah. And I don't necessarily know with either of these two guys, but that's that's kind of the question. 
it does feel like with the way that we're going that that's probably not going to be an option going forward much longer because of the whole youth movement and just moving towards younger managers like AJ Hinch, Alex Cora, uh, you know, the uh I always forget the Rangers manager's name, but as soon as I hear it, I know what it, exactly what it is. The guy from the Dodgers, Chris Woodward. You know, like those are those are good hires, young guys trying to, you know, maybe add some different angles into this. You got to wonder about kind of the older school thing. And like these things are always cyclical, I know, but you got to wonder if that's ever going to come back around or what that's going to look like. Um, all right. So I guess the other one that has already happened, but this was involuntary. Andy Green of the Padres fired pretty 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 abruptly i think everybody i don't think a lot of people thought he was going to come back i think that they i mean with the kind of money they just spent on you know bringing in machado you got eric hosmer he spent a bunch of money on i mean you know you can't really mess around too much and going 69 and 85 it's not not what you're looking for with that kind of offensive power this one surprises me probably the least what you guys take? They've here? been bad for the Padres have been bad for like 54 years now. Like, yeah. is there, I don't think we can blame the manager. Maybe they need somebody to better manage the talent they just, just purchased. But like this guy probably did okay with what he was given by and large. Yeah. Um, well, that, not surprised. That's where, you know, we've, we've talked about at what point do we need to transition to talking about general managers? And I can't tell you who's running the Padres right now. AJ, Preller. but what I, what's that? AJ Preller, he's a uh, John Daniels guy. Okay, but but what I can say is that I don't think they're deliberately trying to do a rebuild. I think they're they're just bad. Like otherwise, they wouldn't have signed Machado and they wouldn't have signed Hosmer. Like they're trying to get pieces in play. It's not like a true burn it down situation. It's not a burn it down situation. I think baseball is very specific that way when you can a manager because a lot of times. I mean, look at John Farrell whenever they brought in Alex Cora. He, John Farrell just wasn't the guy to get it done with that group of people. You put the right group of people together, it seems like they've, they had some fun. Sam and I actually watched some Padres baseball this year. Like, Lots of good stuff there, but sometimes you just need a new voice in the room. It, it, you know, it was the same way in Houston with Bo Porter. A.J. Hinge came in and was able to really make something happen with a young group of guys. Sometimes you just need another voice, and that's what it seems like is happening here. I'm really interested to see who they're going to hire. But I think I know who it's going to be, but we'll go ahead and get there here in a second. Bruce Bochy again? No. <laughs> That'd be hilarious, though. <laughs> Bud Black again? Bounce right back. Didn't they have... Well, no. So Bud Black... So Andy Green has been there since 2016. They had Bud Black before that, right? Yes. Yeah. That's what I thought. And that guy, I love like, the idea of bringing back a known commodity. I know, right? Like, <laughs> I know, right? Well, I'm glad like when the U.S. elected Grover Cleveland for a second time, like <laughs> non-sequentially, like, yeah, we know what we're getting here. We yeah, should go we fell for it. Sleep at the wheel. Just put them back in. <laughs> Correct. So I think the biggest thing. So we're going to talk about who should be fired now. And I know, Sam, you full heartedly agree uh, or disagree with me on this. I think Joe Madden's gone. And I think Joe Madden's going to be the manager of the Padres in the ne- within the next month. I really do. Ooh. I like that take a yeah. lot. I don't think he deserves to lose his spot managing the Cubs, but that would be a really good outcome for him. I agree with you. And I mean, I was looking at some of the Cubs num- numbers and their biggest problems are in high leverage situations. They're last in NL and walk rate at 13.6%, 12th in uh, whip, which wins and hits printing pitched. And opponents OPS against the Cubs in high leverage spots is an 856 that's Yikes. not good. 
They're wow. third in the NL as far as uh, bullpen ERA goes. They have the worst save rate in the NF in the NL in the ninth inning or later. With you alluded to this earlier, Sam, fifteen of fifty saves blown. That's not good at all. They're third in errors, and they lead the majors in outs made on the base paths. And that is the biggest issue I have with Joe Madden in this situation. I wonder how much of that is Javi Baez with the strikeouts and the the base running shit. But we're talking about a team that's first in goofy suit travel days. I mean, doesn't that count for something? Up to a point. It does, but I just think yeah, not that, enough. <laughs> I mean, so it, we we've struggled with this a lot. We've talked about this for really two seasons now, and I I just think that first of all, someone's going to pay the price for this. That's just what's going to happen, and they've severely underperformed this year. That's just the way this business works, whether we agree with it or not. That's typically how it happens, and that's probably what we're looking at here. And I don't know that. I mean. They, I love the stat that Anthony Rizzo's been back and they haven't won a game since he got back. I mean, that's just, <laughs> you know, like the, part of that is got to be somewhat of not being inspired and, and not like having some faith in the fact that your team can actually do this and he can actually, you know, uh, I don't know. There's a mental aspect to all this. And I know there's not much Gosh. weighted in all that, but I'm just saying that at the end of the day, I just think someone's going to pay the price for it. It's going to be mad. And, and honestly, I think Epstein's probably pretty close to being out of there too, in which case I... Uh, kind of to Ben's point a minute ago, I wouldn't I wouldn't put past the Red Sox bringing him back either. So Interesting. My, my question about uh, about Madden is: Is there anyone who does a better job at like failing upwards? Like after he was fired from the Angels, you know, like he went to Tampa, right, and they won the pennant there, mm-hmm. and then. He was fired from Tampa and he goes to Chicago and they win the darn World Series for the first time in ever, you well, know, or in like 100 years. He kind of forced his way out of Tampa. He had an opt out in his contract. And whenever the Cubs job came available, he realized, hey, this is a much better situation. So it's almost like what Sam and I talked about with the Dombrowski thing the other day, where he came in and did what they hired him to do. And it hasn't really gone that well since they won, though. And it really seems like it continues to be the same problems. And this is just bubbling over. So I'm not saying I necessarily agree, but I think that's where they're headed. Yeah, it's almost like the Cubs are just always the Cubs and them winning the World Series. That was the anomaly, not the norm. And now they're back to being the meandering Cubs. I'm kind of okay with that. Like, I'm so I've brought up my whole life. They've been terrible forever until like, what, 2013? There was like some spark of joy. And then uh, they won, and now they're going back down. Like I'm kind of okay with having a really shitty Chicago team, both of them, really. Yeah, that's another one. All right, so let's look at the rest of the the season overall. Sam, who stands out to you as far as deserving to lose their job? Oh, I'm really bad with managers. Who deserves to get fired? Um, pass. Okay, I'll start it off with Gabe Kapler. Yes, so that was where my head went immediately because you spend how much freaking money and they're still just, they got worse. They got worse, I know. (laughs) They they got murdered with injuries this year. But overall, all their usage has been down. All their stats have been down. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And at the end of the day, I mean... You can talk about pitching and all that stuff, but like, if you don't play these guys as the way that the team is constructed, what are you doing? And I've been on this this train pretty much since he got there. I mean, he's been fucking this up since the very beginning. 
the very beginning. They had to pull up people from the minors like his third week there because he was burning through the bullpen so fast. And it's yeah. I think he's definitely settled into the role a little bit more. I just don't think he was ready for this. I really don't. So I think he's gone. I really do. What about um, the Mets manager, uh, Mickey, Mickey Calloway? Calloway. I, th- yeah. I think they're going to give him another year, even though they shouldn't. Oof. Do you, what do you, what's your take? Do you think he's gone? Well, they've been bad. They've been really bad. They've been a colossal fuck up in every sense of that term, like on the field, off the field, pitching, batting, base running, defense. It's all it's all been really bad. I did call for them to make the second wild card spot, which probably won't happen. But um, they've got a lot of talent, and it's being like grossly mismanaged. And they're even calling out that mismanagement as a point of pride. Like, oh, we don't use the analytics 85% of the time. It's like, what the fuck are you doing with all these analysts telling you what to do? Look at the teams who are doing really well with these analytics. You could just have cost your job with that statement. Is there yes. a more Mets thing than being proud of being dysfunctional like that? <laughs> so that's like it. saying I guessed, you know, on the true false section of the test. I guessed and I still did just fine. Right. <laughs> so here's here's where I'm at with with both Kapler and with Callaway. They're both in their second year of their contracts. And to me, it seems like. I, I said a minute ago that Kapler's gotten worse. That's not entirely true. Right now they have a worse record, but there's still a week left. So there's a chance he could marginally improve. And with the excuse of injuries, like, okay, if I'm ownership, I might give it to him. And the same thing with Callaway. The Mets are better than they were last year. Now, granted, you know, they were under 500 and now they're over 500. So like there's trajectory, but you're right. When you say just, dumb things like that about analytics you're not painting a good picture for yourself yeah I I think that's really what it comes down to and we just haven't really seen any kind of consistency out of that team and it just it's astounding and like I said a lot of it's injury but I think a lot of it too is just kind of gross mismanagement and injury is I mean that brings a lot of injury too that doesn't help anything so I, I definitely look for them to make a change they didn't spend 400 million dollars on Bryce Harper to waste it i i would hope anyway that would be a pretty philly thing to do but i can't imagine they're gonna let that ride they shouldn't how do we feel about terry francona he's staying for sure okay fine i i just i can't imagine i don't know why they would make that change i mean even if they miss they're still really close well i guess yeah let's make a case i mean the the pros and cons with francona they're not getting worse right nope they're definitely not getting yeah. worse. They're staying the same. They just can't seem to get over that hump. Yeah. They went 91 and 71 last year. They're 92 and 64 this year. Yep. Exactly the same then. Yeah. The good, good spot to okay. be in. Yeah. The, the other one that I think is definitely, the other team that's definitely going to make a change is the Pirates. I mean, they've got their own players fighting each other, for God's sakes. They're definitely, I mean, that manager, they've lost the clubhouse. Clint Hun- Hurdle, something like that. And hurdle, yeah. yeah. I think they've lost that clubhouse entirely. So I think you're going to see a change there. You're going to make Clint Hurdle walk the plank. Definitely. <sighs> That's so good. Oh so my god. Good. I'm All really right. happy with that one. Nice work, Ben. Yeah. Thank you. The only other one that I could see is probably Seattle, just because they underperformed so much, and they just extended their manager not long ago. It's it's. I mean. It's Scott Surveys, so I mean, like, regardless of what the Mariners do, it doesn't ever seem like they can quite get this right. Uh, but I still think that 
there's a chance they're going to let him go. What's the likelihood that they're going to have Ichiro as their manager next year? Hmm. That I don't think would happen. But I do think that David Ross will take Joe Madden's place. That's my take. So That's going to go so bad. Oh, probably so. But they've been grooming him for that spot since he left pretty much. Oh, yeah. no. I think of anybody. I mean, he's going to be one of those young guys that has that has the attention of them. So anything else that jumps out? I mean, any just disgracefully bad performance. The only other thing uh, real quick that jumps out to me is the White Sox. I don't know how they just continue to be so bad for so long. For me, the difference with the White Sox, though, is that they're in the deliberate rebuild. So not to say that they get a pass but i feel like their fan base all 12 people are like yeah we know we're rebuilding like what are you gonna do i mean they've been rebuilding since adam laroche's kid was hanging out in the locker room so i mean they you know <laughs> <laughs> that kid's in college now it's been decades it's decades for sure they, like come they've on. been rebuilding since they cut mj <laughs> pretty much <laughs> pretty much well, if you like what you're hearing, make sure to check us out. We are at sensiblyloud.com. Plus, we have a slew of other podcasts for your listening pleasure. Plus, you can see us now. We have videos. We are all on YouTube. We're going to be trying to live stream as many of these as possible. So make sure to check us out on social media to find out when we will be live on your computer screens. Of course, speaking of social media, we are on Facebook. We're on Instagram. And of course, we're on the good old Twitter. Make sure to check us out. Huge props to J-Mac for engineering this episode. Thanks y'all so much. We want to thank everyone for tuning in for episode 84 of the Outfielder Podcast. We would like to thank all of our fans, Sensibly Loud Media, our sponsors, and those with a sharp eye to keep the runners close. Grounds crew, please keep patrolling that outfield. Big ups to Kevin Towers. Don't text and drive, and we'll see you right back here next time on the Outfielder Podcast. Bye, Bruce.